0: hello everyone hi listeners welcome to a sweltering hot episode i know of it's so i'm hot. horrified it's so hot outside <laughs> i'm trying to make it fun but we are just very it's like hot.
1: welcome to this steamy sticky <laughs> disgusting o- oppressive <laughs> oh dangerously hot episode yep. of it's i'm terrible. horrified I just came from an even hotter climate. I was you sure in, did. I was in California. Sam, guess what I was doing there? I mean, you know. I know. You're wearing a Disneyland tank top right now in front Hell of me. Hell yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> she went to Disney. She did that. And, uh, folks, guess where she's going next week. Um, nowhere. I'm just gonna be in my home, you know, <laughs> just contributing to society. Uh-huh. I'm gonna be in Disneyland Paris in seven days. <laughs> Seven days from when we're recording this. And earlier today you said to me, I miss Disney. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be in a different Disney in a week. I just feel like I need to talk about this on the pod because it is, it's horrifying. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's, I'm, I'm in its grips. I'm worried. Yeah, I'm worried. I mean, of course <laughs> I'm worried. Um, I mean, there's no hope for me, I think is the point. Yeah. When I was there, I bought um, a very expensive art print of the Carousel of Progress. ooh, It's like a retro art print that That's I'm going to frame and yeah. put, put in my house. I love that. That's very exciting for me.
0: I bought like a Gilded Age political cartoon when I was in Newport and I'm going to frame that and put it in my house so like. Very exciting. Do
1: you guys know that we're moving away from each other? Is that something the podcast knows? Have we told them? Have we told them this because it's the saddest thing to I happen think to we me. we might have mentioned it but we're we're moving away from each other for the first time in I think seven years. Seven years. <laughs> we're still both going to be in greater Boston, but we won't yeah. be next to each other. Greater Boston, excellent podcast. Um, <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, but we're we're moving away to our own homesteads. I'm emotional about it, TBH. I am really upset about it. However, I'm consoled by the fact that I'm constructing in our new house a podcast studio. You really are. You're going hard on it. We're going to construct a whole podcast studio It's gonna double as a second bedroom, but it's gonna be podcast studio first. So I'll be (laughs) sure. Maybe um, if we get to like um, you know, eighty thousand downloads or something, I'll do like a studio tour on Twitter. That would be really fun. Oh my god! But I would have to have you behind the door, and we would do it like um, like YouTubers. Oh, like cribs. I love that. (laughs) Oh no, way back more, more, more retro. retro, I love that. This is Sam. We lay down on the futon,
0: and it's like this is where the magic happens.
1: Yes. Um, and my partner's just like, <laughs> in the corner reading. <laughs> we're really referring to it as our library studio, because we're cunts. <laughs>
0: but we know what it really is. We know what
1: it really is. It's a podcast it's studio. It's a podcast studio. Um, so... So
0: that's something I've been crying about lately.
1: News corner. But let's cry about some other stuff this week, Al. So today, I'm gonna talk about some early 2000s evangelical Ooh. drama. That's exciting. I know. Ta- no, yeah, I'm going to talk about, about that. I'm going to talk about Ted Haggard. Unfamiliar. You don't know who that is? No. I knew who it was. I just didn't know all the things. I'm godless, so that's part of it. No, I didn't know it. I'm not an evangelical. I had no idea about it because I was Catholic. I just he was in the news. He was just in the news? <laughs> you didn't read the news in 2006 when we were What 12. 12? Yeah, no, I didn't. I was really uh, distracted by getting my period for the first time. Me too. I was really perioding all over the place when this news broke. Did you get your period when you were 12? I was 12. It was Columbus Day. (gasps) I got my period and I was 12 and it was my birthday. How far apart are those? Not that far. I wish it was the same day. That would have been, like, we (laughs) are true blood coven soulmates. Yeah. It would be so beautiful. I wish that had happened. But no,
0: I remember because I was like, oh, I'm 12 now. Like, how exciting. And, like, that day I got my period. And I was like, guess
1: I'm a woman. (laughs) Guess you're a woman. I remember I got my period um, and I went into the kitchen and my mom was making stroganoff. No, not stroganoff. Just beef and those egg noodles. Yeah. Wasn't really a stroganoff. Mom. Something. and I was like I think I got my period and my mom was like oh that's exciting and I was like is it <laughs> um and then I wore pads for like five years yeah before too. I used a tampon I was too scared and now he's metro cup so uh you guys I'm begging diva cup to sponsor us I how dare know. they how have they not we'll work on it and what are you covering <laughs> <laughs> usually it's like I'm covering this you're covering that so we got, got we're just gonna... a little distracted everyone's like what the fuck <laughs> Sam, well, he, what are you covering? You
0: guys, you should be that excited because today I'm going to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio's romantic history. I'm so
1: excited. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to hear about his many young girlfriends. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Too young. Too small. All right, let's hop into it. Let's <clears> just hoppity dip right in. So Ted Haggard, who is he? The man, the myth, the legend. Is he haggard? Like, is he tired? Um, probably after <laughs> the <laughs> last couple of decades he's had. Oh, gosh. So, um, I didn't know much about him before I started this research. I knew who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew he was, I thought he was more of a televangelist than he was. He was on television, but he wasn't, like, like, John Oliver-covered televangelist, and it's excellent, and I really want to steal it someday, so we'll probably do it someday. But that's more like, um, in the name of the Lord, like, sow your seeds, send in $50, and we will cure your blindness. Yes. Um, that's not exactly what he did. It was, (laughs) like... Still kind of shady, but it was televised, and I know the thing that happened to him, which some of you will know, some of you will not. But a thing happens. Oh, what? Um, and he was also featured in one of my favorite documentaries of all time, Jesus Camp, which I think oh, I showed I watched you. That yeah, we um, watched
0: it illegally, and it had Brazilian subtitles. Do you remember it that? It did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Poor that. Geez. I
1: love that documentary so much. I could watch it every day of my life. Um there there's a line in it when the lady who's like brainwashing all the children is like if harry potter were alive today like he would be burned as a warlock or something and it's like are we burning people still cool (laughs) it was wild so i recommend everyone go watch that but ted haggard where does one begin with teddy bear here um <laughs> i'll begin at his childhood i feel like no matter who i'm covering like i could be covering like the worstest dictator in the world and i'm like well, they were born on yeah. a corn field in 1932 that's what i did with putin i was like let's talk about baby poots you baby know? poots who doesn't need to know that so ted arthur haggard born in indiana in 1956 his father was a veterinarian who founded a ministry in their town based off of the charismatic movement which I read as, I think it, I think it said, like, oh, he ran, like, a charismatic church. And I was like, that's an interesting way to describe that. And I was just like, oh, he formed a charismatic church because he was a people person. <laughs> yeah, like, he was charismatic no, and the church No, no, it's actually a thing. The charismatic oh. movement is based off of the idea of charismata or spiritual gifts. And that means, it's like this part of Christianity where, in which gifts are bestowed onto people through the Holy Spirit. Like actually, like you do a thing and they bestow upon you like the gift of sight or the gift of wealth or the gift of health or whatever it is. Oh. So that's, that's fun, I guess. I mean, it sounds fun. Yeah. I would love to have If it works. I love, I mean, I love presents. Yeah.
0: Gifts gifts are one of your love languages.
1: From the Lord would be, I mean, ideal, (laughs) I guess. So that's all you need to know about his childhood. Um, he actually had some more progressive leanings in high school after he became a born-again Christian at 16 due to the teachings of Bill Bright and C.S. Lewis, respectively. He ended up writing for his high school newspaper about how to prevent STDs in pregnancy in such a medically accurate progressive way that local Christians were upset with him. So that's like a good start, right? Yeah. you think that that would like lead down a good path.
0: (laughs) He loves the Lord and he loves preventing gonorrhea. That feels like a great combo. He
1: doesn't really though. So eventually his dad makes him transfer from a school where he was studying journalism to Oral Roberts University, which was a Christian university where he found God. There were like, some people said it was like in his kitchen. He had Mm -hmm. a moment with God. Some people said he went outside his dorm room and there was a prayer circle happening outside Mm -hmm. and that's when it happened sometime between keggers he found yeah. god much like luke p
0: from the bachelorette finding the holy spirit in the shower oh my
1: god we got to talk about luke p we can
0: talk about that at the end of the podcast no
1: we got to t- okay no i think we should, we'll talk, we should wait we should we'll, wait well uh, that
0: will be this week's you're horrified yeah we'll absolutely talk about that.
1: um so kitchen outside he found he finds god and decides to become a pastor um all right, moving on. It was very hard for me not to make a joke about Oral Roberts University, <laughs> especially given what's to come. Ayo! Oh no! What's Oh happening? shit, what's going to happen? Ah! So in 1984, his fellow born-again missionary pal told him he had a vision of him one day opening his own church. And he was like, sounds great let's do that yeah I wish our relationship worked like that (laughs) I have a vision of you leading all of our subscribers into the great (laughs) beyond I really just feel like that's in the cards for you
0: that's kind of how this podcast started you were like I have a vision of us becoming very successful podcast hosts and I was like and we will
1: and here we are and here we are at the top of the iTunes podcast chart absolutely I'm just gonna like um the dream it
0: (laughs) yeah we're gonna the secret it into existence oh that's what I
1: meant the secret not the the dream which is an excellent podcast about MLMs (laughs) Um, Which also, I'm sure, got very high ratings. Yeah. I would love to have the ratings of the dream. <laughs> I respect them. <laughs> Anywho, so Ted opens New Life Church, and it starts as just 22 people in his basement and swells to empty storefronts and strip malls. And eventually, after decades of b- building a parishioner's, New Life Church has over 13,000 members. That's a lot. <laughs> so it's a... <sighs> <laughs> so it's... <Dad>. Whoa! It's... <laughs> <laughs> Um. So it's like full mega church. Yeah. He's like theater in the rounding it. Mm-hmm. Like it's got this big platform in the middle and it's like stadium seating. It operates on a campus in Colorado Springs that's the size of an amusement park. Wow. Under his leadership, the organization widens to become the Association of Life Giving Churches, which is comprised of around 300 places of worship across the nation, but mostly in the Midwest. Wow. He's also named the president of the National Association for Evangelicals.
0: So he is just living it up. He's
1: huge. He is the most well-known evangelical leader in the country, in the world. Wow. (laughs) By a country mile, mainly because being evangelical is, like, really huge in America. Yeah. But he had so much sway, so much notoriety at this point. And he also wrote a fuck ton of books, and I found some of the titles amusing, so I thought I'd read some um one is confident parents exceptional teens <laughs> Ooh. um another is dog training fly fishing and sharing christ in the 21st century <laughs> only those three things just those three things wow specific one from 2005 is taking it to the streets
0: <laughs> which Take sounds like the his
1: streets. maybe his opening rap album i would love that changing course another one is foolish no more and that one notably has an exclamation point at the end <laughs> Um, and another one is The Jerusalem Diet. I did not look into what that was. Like, if that was a metaphor for something or if he actually wrote a (laughs) Jesus cookbook. (laughs) Which I would, I really, I just so want it to be that, that I'm not going to look up what it is.
0: If it existed for real, if someone was to tweet at us that that was just a diet, I would do it with you for one week.
1: We would do it for one week, maybe. For exactly one week, I
0: would do the Jerusalem diet with
1: you. (laughs) Absolutely. I would love that. And we could come back the next week and be like, this is how it went. Yeah. Um, We love God now. (laughs) While eating a piece of cheesecake, the two of us. Maybe cheesecake is allowed on the Jerusalem diet. How would I know? Jesus wants us to be happy, so I assume. I mean, wouldn't it just be like paleo? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. So, um, let's get into some nitty-gritty. What does this man believe? I keep talking about how he's a parishioner. He's a pastor. He's an evangelical. He's a Christian. What does that mean? What does he believe? Well, he's obviously a Christian, so Jesus is a big one. Absolutely. Right? Jesus, big thing. Love him. His church operates under the third wave of the Holy Spirit. Which is basically, like, new wave charismata. hmm Um, and the idea is that, like I said, if you live by the Bible explicitly, then God will bestow good things upon you. And this also means that if you don't live by the Bible explicitly, God will punish you. Okay. He is vehemently pro-life, vehemently anti-gay. And he went so far as to mobilize political action against gay marriage after it passed in Massachusetts, lobbying for a ban in his home state of Colorado. Wow. This is all going to be very interesting. A couple paragraphs from now. Oh, geez. Do we see where this is going? Uh, you made um, a reference earlier to oral sex <laughs> and now to uh, I a critical stance on gay marriage. So um, maybe. <laughs> so maybe we get it. And the people who knew about it were like, yeah, obviously. This <laughs> is the guy who did the thing. So, yeah, in a few words, he's a complete piece of shit, though many people would disagree with me on that. Like, he, as every Christian organization does, they do a lot in their communities, Mm -hmm. they contribute to veterans, they contribute to people who are poor, but they do so from a bigoted platform, so I just can't be here for that. Yeah. He does believe in climate change, though. I wow, felt, I felt that fascinating. Interesting. <laughs> so, like, there's that. Like, he believes in climate change, which is a firmly like v- a big taboo in, uh-huh. e- among evangelicals. Like Christians, it's kind of like some people believe, but like evangelicals really don't believe it's a thing. That's so interesting. Um. So yeah, that's crazy, right? So these are the beliefs that are reaching thousands upon thousands of his followers that were shaping the decisions of people under the umbrella of the National Association of Evangelicals, about 30 million people at this time in America. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And at this point, it's more. At this point, it's like a third of Americans or at least a third of Christian Americans. Um, but I think it's a third of Americans because I think, like, 70% of Americans are Christian. Mm. And I think 30% of Americans, so not 30% of that 70%, I could be wrong, but I believe it's 30% of Americans are evangelical. Wow. Um, during this time, W. Bush was still in office. Mm-hmm. And they had phone meetings every single week. Wow. Every Monday, they had a standing phone call appointment. Wow. Yeah. So that's how big he was and how important he was to the political scene and Republicans at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I said, he was implemental. Implemental? Instrumental. There we go. He was instrumental in the fight to ban gay marriage in the mid-2000s. So he was actually rallying people towards that cause. Many people credit him with the evangelical groundswell to re-elect Bush for a second term. Mm. And if you look at the numbers, there's reason to believe that he did help to get him re-elected for sure the did. second term.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure he did.
1: So the clock strikes 2006 and something happens. And I will read a Guardian article from November of that year. Quote, allegations against Mr. Haggard surfaced this week when Mike Jones, 49, told a Denver radio station that the pastor paid him to have sex nearly every month over three years. Wow. Mr. Jones also said Mr. Haggard snorted the drug methamphetamine before their sexual encounters to heighten his experience. Mr. Jones, who says he is gay, told the Associated Press he decided to go public because he was upset when he discovered Mr. Haggard and the New Life Church had publicly opposed same-sex marriage. Quote, it made me angry that here's someone preaching about gay marriage and going behind the scenes having gay sex, Mr. Jones said, adding that he was not working for any political group. Go, Mr. Jones. I appreciate you. Yeah. Mr. Haggard has also taken to the airwaves to reject the accusations. Quote, I've never had a gay relationship with anyone, end quote, he said this week. I'm steady with my wife. I'm faithful to my wife. So... <laughs> The cat is out of the damn bag. There were text messages corroborating the story of him asking for meth, like, over the phone. Oh, damn. Nothing explicit. Like, it didn't go full, um... Bring me the meth. (laughs) Yeah. No, what's the... What's the politician who showed his dick, but also has the name... Anthony Weiner. Yeah, it didn't go full Anthony Weiner. But, um, ultimately, Ted Haggard admitted to some, but not all, of what he was being accused of. He said that he had bought meth, but never used it. What, so
0: you just wanted to... <laughs> you
1: just wanted to have, have it. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I used to do that. Like, I remember when I was, like, 11, somebody, like, stole cigarettes from their aunt, and I, like, kept one. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to smoke it, but, like, I just was, like, bad to have. And I have this. <laughs> and <laughs> if my mom had found it, she probably would have been, like, would have been, like, what are you doing? <laughs> um but it wasn't meth. That feels like a different level. It does, Sam, feel like a different level. Um, So then he also said that Mike Jones, he knew Mike Jones, and that Mike Jones had given him a massage, but nothing else happened. Okay. Which when? But like a dick massage, but with his mouth? (laughs) He later stated that the massage ended in like them masturbating each other. So So that's
0: not just a massage is what I would No well he, he later
1: <laughs> elaborated. He was like, it was a massage and that we were rubbing each other. Don't all massages end <laughs> with rubbing Mutual each masturbation. other's <laughs> Yeah. Um and this is an interesting thing for um a man who said in two thousand two, I am a firm believer in living as if there were no such thing as a secret. If we hide our sins and live in darkness, we will never get the healing we so desperately need. In fact, if it is hidden so well that we don't even recognize it, we may never even find forgiveness. So good for him; he can definitely find forgiveness. Yeah, he's got no secrets anymore. The secret is out. Um, the other thing about this is, at this time, a young man in the church came forward to say that Haggard had sexually assaulted him. Oh, Jesus! At first, he had said it was a consensual relationship, and then he said actually it was non-consensual. Um, and Haggard openly admitted to this contact, but claimed it to be consensual. Um, so what was already a huge scandal was swelling, and there was a lot of evidence to support, um, this young man in the church's claims as well, Mm -hmm. in addition to Mike Jones's claims. Um, and this led to New Life asking Haggard to step down from his position at the church, They worked out a severance package for him that involved another year of pay so long as he left the state of Colorado. Wow. Um so they moved to Phoenix and a team was put together by the church to like restore him to the church, but eventually they cut ties all together. (laughs) So what do you what do you do? (laughs) What do you do if you're Ted Haggard? What do you, God, what do you do? You go out, bagger. you suck a few dicks, blow off some steam, first of all. Yeah, first um, things first. What happened was that he moved to Phoenix, lived with his family there, and had a short-lived career selling insurance. Um he also at this point did some speaking interviews, not many. Um he ended up blaming his indiscrepancies on being molested at the age of seven, which if that happened, that is terrible, but it perpetuates a disgusting lie that people who are gay are traumatized or the product of some kind of perversion, which is total nonsense, so... Um, he also took a few TV stints, likely for money, such as being featured on Divorce Court, even though he and his wife are still married. What? (laughs) So I guess he was saying, like, I don't, I haven't seen the episode, but it was like, oh, we thought about getting divorced because of all the things that happened, but they didn't actually get divorced. He was also featured on an HBO-produced documentary by, um, Alexander Pelosi, who is Nancy Pelosi's daughter. Oh. Called The Trial of Ted Haggard. That documentary actually gained a lot of critical acclaim. It was apparently very well produced. I didn't have time to watch it before this, but I definitely will and I'll let you know how it goes. Oh my God. Let's watch it together. Absolutely. Um, He said at one point that after three weeks of counseling, he was completely devoid of homosexual inclinations. Three weeks is all it takes. Yep. Three years of uh, getting massages, but it only takes three
0: weeks to not want those massages anymore. You just gotta, you know, couple brisk laps. Yeah.
1: Around around a track begs the question why didn't he do that a year in but I mean, it does beg that question you're right um in 2010 he returns to the pulpit as he and his wife Gail start the St James Church in Colorado Springs isn't Gail the perfect name for her it is but God I hope she's okay I think she's kind of just as shitty as he is okay so whatever they're
0: in a partnership. I'll say something later ride. that explains
1: exactly their relationship. Ooh. So yeah, he's back on the pulpit to this day. Wow, in Colorado Springs, and he's back in Colorado. Clearly. Um, Colorado Springs, which is where New Life Church is. Damn. Um, so he was like back in the belly of the beast. He was quoted as saying in a 2011 interview with GQ, quote, I think that probably if I were 21 in this society, I would identify myself as bisexual. Just like you're a heterosexual, but you don't have sex with every woman that you're attracted to. So I can be who I am and exclusively have sex with my wife and be perfectly satisfied. So that's interesting. Okay. I mean, like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. If he didn't still have, like anti-gay leanings and act like you could yeah act like it's because of his trauma and act like it's something that you could scrub away but like I mean I get like I have to say like when people are like oh well you know I'm gay but I'm a Christian so I choose not to do this thing because it's a sin like you're allowed to be abstinent like you're allowed to not have sex if you don't want to have sex like but as part of me is just like but it's not a sin. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, I know you believe that it is, but it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah. that makes me sad, but I'm not going to keep anyone from doing what they want to do as long as they're not forcing it on anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is kind of forcing it on other people. So there's yeah. that. And, um, <laughs> in a, in a different direction in 2012, He was on an episode of Celebrity Wife Swap. Wow. Where he swapped wives with Gary Busey. Wow. (laughs) Which is like the perfect foil for him, I think. (laughs) Interesting. Um, However, far and away, my favorite depiction of Ted Haggard, um, this has not been confirmed, but once I did like more digging into the interviews that Ted Haggard did with his wife after the fact and everything that happened, I am positive that he is the inspiration for Marshall and Marshall Langman on Parks and Recreation, (laughs) um, the heads of the Society for Family Stability Foundation. (laughs) Um, so, like, I'm sure of it because he's, that. the joke on Parks and Recreation is they're all, like, super anti-gay, super anti, you know, anything, everything, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, like, flamboyantly gay. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm sure that that is... That is a reference for them. A reference for them. And may this be his enduring legacy. Oh, I hope so. Forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) And also with you. Yeah, and also with you. So that is Ted Haggard for you. Wow. I feel haggard. And aren't we all? Yeah, it's not anything like, (gasps) what? It's like a guy who said his whole life that gays are going to burn in hell, like ended up getting cheap hand jobs from a male sex worker like that is not surprising yeah at all
0: it is like it's so sad how
1: like it's not like as soon like
0: i didn't know this story but as soon as you were like oh something bad happens with this religious man i was like oh is he doing gay stuff is he gay in it because it just feels like it's such a pattern in our society of like people are raised religious they hate something about them so then they like project it onto the world of like no one can like gay people because I'm gay and I hate
1: myself. Like,
0: it's, it's uh, yeah, just so – totally, it bumps me out
1: every time. I totally agree, and I totally think that on a micro level, I understand what it's like. Like, when I don't like something in myself, I really don't like it in other people. Mm-hmm. Like, when I see other girls who are, like – really loud and you know monopolizing conversations I tend to do that sometimes which you know um and I'm like oh that's so fucking annoying like can't they hear themselves speak like yeah why won't they just be quiet for a minute and I'm like I'm mad at them because I am them because I never know how to be quiet um and I just feel like I judge people more harshly for things that I'm guilty of yeah and I (laughs) am not a closeted queer person so I'm not judging anyone for that But I understand where it comes from, but there is, like, a a definite, like, liberal schadenfreude of, like, uh, obviously you're fucking gay. Yeah. Of course you are. Of course. Because you're shitting on people's lives who are able to live happily. Yeah. And and open with themselves. And it is sad that he can't just be who he is, but who he has been for the past 40 years is shitty, so. I know.
0: I just, like... For so many people, religion is, like, such a wonderful and comforting thing in their life. And I just wish that these people who, like, are very religious and are also, like, figuring out their sexualities could just, like, marry the two and be like, let's all, like, truly love God and be religious and also be okay with us being gay. Let's do it all. And, like, that would be so much more helpful
1: to so many more people. Definitely. And I think that there are a lot more people like that than we get to see because people don't shed a light on those individuals as much as the people who are angry and screaming and closeted and you know there are those people who have full religious lives yeah and are queer and are pro-choice and are liberal like they exist and we love them and (laughs) yeah and god loves them just like he loves everyone else for christ's sake for for christ's sakes well and all i want to say is um I've had sex. <laughs> and Jesus still loves me. <laughs> uh, Hannah B. Hannah B. I'm Can we sorry, talk guys. about... Let's talk about now. Let's have a palate cleanser. Let's have talk about Not that. Not that we really need a palate cleanser. Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, that's already a palate cleanser. <laughs> you guys, let's talk about The Bachelorette. <laughs> we need to talk about The Bachelorette <laughs> immediately.
0: So, as of when we record this, which is... You guys are going to hear this in a couple weeks, but... The episode of The Bachelorette just happened where we Hannah just P, experienced The Bachelorette it. just reads for filth one of her <laughs> suitors, Luke P, because he is a very religious man. He is chosen to like be abstinent until marriage, even though he used to fuck. He like the Holy Spirit came to him in the shower and said like Stop fucking!" And so Luke he fucks stopped. no more. He fucks no more. So like he's just been like garbage this whole season, and not because of that, but just because for he's various fucking reasons garbage. he just sucks. Um, and like people keep being like Hannah, like, "What have you got rid of him?" And she's just like, "No, there's just something about him. We really have this connection. Like, I really." She's want also him to a stay. very faithful
1: woman. Yeah, so. she's a
0: person who like God matters to a lot. So she like likes that about him in some ways, even though sometimes it makes him suck. So finally, we're at Fantasy Suites, which is when you fuck and Duh. for those so of you it is <laughs> who don't watch the bachelorette and um she has her fantasy suites with the three other guys and then the last one is luke and they're at dinner and luke is like let's talk about sex and hannah's like okay yeah like let's talk about sex that's fine with me because like she has said that she's had sex and like he has said that he's not having sex again till marriage so she's like great yeah let's talk about it and he starts going like Um, I just want to make sure we're on the same page, like, obviously the marriage bed has to be kept pure, and if you've slipped up, or, you know, you've made a mistake, uh, like, I just want to know, so, like, we can- I can work through that, and, like, obviously you don't want to, like, sleep with all these guys just to, like, sleep with them, and Hannah's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the universe is like, yes, finally you get that he sucks. At last. And she, like, goes in on him, like, it's amazing, and she's, like, quoting scripture, and she's, like, <laughs> he keeps saying, like, well, that's not what I meant, and she's, like, no, it's just what you, it's what you said, and he goes,
1: well, can I, and I she goes, no. I love that. She, like, is, in that moment, she's, like, a feminist here, like, all the rage that I had from the 2016 um p- presidential debate yes. was, like, reconciled as I watched her being, like, no, that is what you meant because it's what you said. Yes. And no, you can't respond or cut me off because now I'm making a point after your stupid fucking point that yes. I'm going to take it face value. <gasps> oh, It's amazing. And it's finally beautiful. she's like, I have, she says to him in the full version, which you haven't seen,
0: unfortunately, she says to him, like, she's talking about how, like, she's ignored so many red flags because she really felt, like, this connection with him. And she's like, and now you're telling me, like, if I've had sex, you're not interested, like there's a lot of things you've done that I could have said, like, I'm not interested. And it's a real fuck you to me that it's all of a sudden this deal breaker for you. And she goes, like, I've been praying for clarity on our relationship so much and I finally have the clarity I need. And, like, can I walk you out? And he, like, doesn't move. He sits there for so long and she's, like, standing next to him, like, I'll walk you out. Like, can I walk you out? We're out of here. And he goes, like, I wish I remembered exactly the sentence. I think
1: what he says is, like, can I just have, like, one minute? Like, I feel like you owe me. And I don't even think he finishes that sentence. Yeah. Because she cuts him the fuck off. Hannah! <laughs> and she's like, no, I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you anything. Like, I have given you a thousand chances, like, the, with the benefit of the doubt yeah and then she's just like i can't believe you. she just gets so like incredulous she's like i can't believe you would say that like i am so angry yeah i also love that she keeps saying like i am so mad right now <laughs> yeah it's a fucking well because it's it a really triumph
0: is. and it's like the whole season everything has been about this luke guy like all of her dates with a bunch of the guys have just been the guys being like hey luke sucks and she's been like just talk to me about me don't talk to me about luke like it's taken up so much of her mental energy this relationship I can't speak because I'm too hyped.
1: It sounds like <laughs> you're crying. <laughs> this this is relationship.
0: Like... Entire relationship. No, but it really has. It takes up, like, so much of her mental energy the whole season. Like, the whole season if you watch it. And all of a sudden, like, she's just like, it's bullshit that I've d- dedicated this much time to you and I'm not going to dedicate any more. And then he won't get in the car. This is the best part. I keep saying this is the best part, but they're all the best part. They're all the best part. He won't get in the car. Like, they're at the car that is going to take him away. And he's still like, I just want to, like... he's like I know you're saying you have clarity but like I don't feel like you do and I just want to talk to you and all of a sudden she has this smile on her face and she says well I could make you get in that car like I
1: I could I could do that because I think we left (laughs) out the fact that earlier he said you know if I knew that you were sleeping with all these guys like I'd be wanting to go home yeah and so so she says so then she says I could make you go home and then she's like well
0: you know what I have had sex And Jesus still loves me. Ayo. Mic drop. And then she says, you probably don't want to stick around because I fucked in a windmill.
1: (laughs) She does say that off camera.
0: Hannah. No, she said that to him also. (gasps) I just watched the edited version. She says it to his fucking face. Yeah, she says on face, you probably don't want to stick around because I fucked in a windmill. (gasps) Uh, And then to, like, the interview, she was like, I fucked in a windmill. And you know what? We did it twice. Um, Yeah. I love her more than anything in the world (laughs) right now. Today, I love her more than anything. Hannah. Ugh, I highly encourage all of everyone to seek out the clips on YouTube because they just, they did, it, they, it was so satisfying because I can never, if I'm in a fight with anyone, let alone like a man, but like just anyone, I am never like powerful enough in the moment or like aware enough of my thoughts and feelings to say like, to be so articulate as she was yeah. and to also say like, no, don't speak. Let me finish this sentence. Yeah. So like just watching her do that was like, um, it was like a revelation to it me. It was so
1: satisfying. It was amazing. And to say like I am angry right now. Yeah. Like to express your emotions and not allow yourself to be demeaned cuz he has been fucking gaslighting her from the from the day one forever. And I think that's something that we see constantly on reality TV and in like normal TV of just like a guy saying something sh- so fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. And then just being like, well, that's not what I meant. Yeah. And then it's like, no, you don't get to do that. It's what you said. That's what you said, Luke P. May he rest. Uh. And um, they got on a Twitter
0: fight today, which I can't even go there. Please. They got into a Twitter fight? Yeah, they got into a Twitter fight today. <gasps>
1: <laughs>
0: I'll read you the transcript later.
1: I swear to God, we're like, <laughs> we're not even going to have time for Leo
0: and his girlfriends. So thank you guys for letting us go on this tangent oh. about The Bachelorette, but we just had to speak on it.
1: We had to speak our truth. Yeah. Much like Hannah did. Much like Hannah. After she fucked in that windmill. <sighs> she's, she's my lord. And they did today. it twice. I love Hannah. All right.
0: Are we ready to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriends?
1: I am. Thank God. I always thought he was kind of a fine guy who just had like models for girlfriends, but I feel like it's going to be worse when I really, I was like, I'm never going to pick that scab. Yeah. I really find out. I'm picking it. <laughs> It'd be shitty. Let's pick well, it. so
0: the interesting thing to di- about today is it's really like a study in charts and how they can illuminate things for us. Perfect. <laughs> um, so Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a very famous actor. Yeah. Um, I would fuck him in about three fourths of the movies he's done. Oh, agreed. Um, but like I wouldn't fuck him in The Revenant where he almost gets killed by a bear.
1: Or Or Django Unchained. Django Unchained,
0: where he's racist. Yeah. But, like, a lot of them, I I really did. I looked through his filmography, and I was like, yeah, like, three-fourths of these. What's your top I'd fuck Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, Romeo plus Juliet. Same. Bass Lerman's Romeo plus Juliet.
1: I think I, like, learned how to masturbate after I saw that movie for the first
0: time. It was the
1: hottest thing I had ever seen. Uh,
0: Today we were watching a documentary with your partner, and they were showing (laughs) clips. From Baz Luhrmann's Romeo Plus Juliet. Oh, tell was, us if
1: you know which documentary we're talking about.
0: <laughs> and he was like, what is this B-roll they're playing?
1: And I was and we were like, are you ignorant <laughs> you piece of shit? Ignorant fuck. How dare you? <laughs> um, it's Baz Luhrmann's Romeo Plus Juliet. It's
0: obviously Baz Luhrmann's Romeo Plus Juliet.
1: Anyways. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sweating. <laughs>
0: um so um he's been he was a child star leo which is something we forget sometimes so he has been famous for a really long time um he's been in the public eye like literally since he was a kid and in that way he has had a lot of girlfriends in the public eye which is fine
1: because you gotta have all your girlfriends in the public eye yeah
0: when you're a famous person from the time you're a child all of your relationships are going to be in the public eye recently reddit user trust little brother made a chart (laughs) Thank God. <laughs> and that chart is a comparison of Leo's age with that of his various girlfriends, starting in 1999 and continuing through 2019. Um, and this chart reveals something that we all sort of knew, but not definitively. We all knew that Leonardo DiCaprio only dates kind of, like, beautiful, young, mostly blonde women who are mostly actresses and models. Maybe Scandinavian or yeah. something. Yeah. But what we didn't know is that Leonardo DiCaprio has never dated a woman older than 25 years old. Are you fucking serious? So let's look at this chart, Al. The chart is called Leonardo DiCaprio refuses to date a woman over 25.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god,
0: it's so detailed. And it displays his age going up, as age does, every year. And then the ages of his girlfriends throughout his relationships.
1: (gasps) Oh my god.
0: I know, right? Charts are amazing. You guys graphs and charts pictures tell a thousand words is all I'm gonna say I could ruminate on this for a while you guys should check out useful charts on YouTube <laughs> anyway um yeah it's just so interesting and illuminating this chart but um Leo he's had one two three four five six seven eight girlfriends in the public eye I'm sure he's like gone on dates with other women um but of those eight uh none of them have been over the age of 25. And wow. only three have been 25. Uh, those are, number one, Bar Raphaeli, who is a gorgeous Israeli model. Um, they started dating when she was 20 and he was 30. And they broke up when she was 25. They dated for about five years. Okay, that's a fine length of a relationship. Ten years between them, it happens. Right. Whatever. Um, next comes Kelly Rohrbach. They dated briefly um, when she was 25 and he was 39. So that's, like, a little bit more of an age difference.
1: Yeah. But, I mean,
0: it was a fling. It wasn't that long term. And then the third is um, Nina Agdal. They started dating when he was 41 and she was 24, and they broke up when she was 25. So it really seems like this weird pattern with him. He just is not interested in a woman that gets to 26. Is it, like,
1: on their birthday, like, he has to, like, say a spell and, like... That's what I imagine. Conjure a new young girlfriend? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's very odd. It's it's wild, especially, again, when you look at it in chart form. Leo's girlfriends all stay the same age, and he just gets older and older and older. And it's like, you know, if he if he dated one woman that was, like, ten years younger than him, and then a woman that was his age, and then a woman that was five years younger, and then a woman that was two, you know what I mean? But it's just like... He has only ever dated women that were between 18 and 25. Right. And the chart goes from the the time he is 24 to the time he is 44. He only dates women 18 to 25.
1: Maybe it's like, um, that's how he has like eternal youth. Like he can only drink from the fountain of youth. That makes a lot of sense. And hopefully the fountain of youth is their pussies because. Right, hopefully. That would be
0: a nice bonus.
1: Like when I'm looking at the chart. Yeah, let's talk about the chart. It like, it goes like up, 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 25, drop. Up, 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 25, drop. Yeah. Like, it either drops, it it drops off to a new relationship every time it's 25. And the new relationship is always around 20. Yeah, and it takes a dip. It doesn't go from 25 to 25. It takes a dip. Yeah. Like, as if he's like, oh, well, if we make it five years and we make it five years, then I can drop it off again. Yeah. Or he's like, this 25-year-old didn't get
0: me. What I need is another 20-year-old. This is
1: one of the times when I wish that we could show you images. We can read this later. In real time and just show you, like... This chart—it's telling this chart. I love this chart. We'll definitely tweet this chart.
0: That's no question. That's no question to me. Um, Let's talk about Leo's current relationship. Right now, he's dating a woman named Camilla Marone. They started dating when she was twenty. His favorite age to start dating someone, and he was forty-two. She is now twenty-one. Yay, she can drink. Oh, um. But here's the worst part. Um, Camilla Marone is the I think goddaughter of Al Pacino, who has worked with Leo in a lot of movies. And therefore, Leo met her when she was 11 years old. He has known his current girlfriend, who he's fucking probably, since she was a child and he was a full adult. Like a little child. Since he was in his 30s and she was 11.
1: Oh, God. Oh, I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. My stomach hurts thinking about that.
0: Yeah. It's just like... Even if nothing happened. I'm not
1: alleging that, like, anything happened. I don't think anything happened. happened.
0: But I'm just, like, it still grosses me out. Like, how can you think of them not as that 11-year-old? I know. And it's, like, what do you have in common 44-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio with a 20-year-old? Like, what do you guys talk about? What do you guys talk about? What do you talk about? <laughs> I'd love to know. Now, why are we only noticing these things thanks to a handy-dandy chart? I think I know the reason, but before I get into it, I want to give you some background information. Let's talk about the Pussy Posse. Thank God. <laughs> so the Pussy Posse, if you have not heard of it, where have you been? Uh, it's the name of Leo and his squad of actors slash director friends who have all been hanging out with each other since the 90s. So like um, Kevin Connolly is an actor. He's in it. Toby Maguire is a very famous member of the Pussy Posse. Um, Harmony Corinne is a director who is a famous member of the Pussy Posse. David Blaine, the magician.
1: He's why are in the they, pussy posse. Why are, they, are you gonna get to why they're called that? Okay, thank God.
0: Um, they themselves do not refer uh to themselves as the pussy posse. They apparently prefer uh the wolf pack. Ew. But the name was coined by Nancy Joe Sales. <gasps> I remember
1: that name. Yes, last
0: featured on our Pretty Wild episode, Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyer's calling.
1: Nancy Joe, <laughs> this is Alexis Nyer's calling. <laughs>
0: Nancy Joe wrote an article about the group in New York Magazine in 1998, kind of exposing their behavior in New York City. Bless her. Uh, And she coined the term Pussy Posse in that article. Um, And to this day, when you talk to members of the Pussy Posse and you call it the Pussy Posse, they get pissed off. And they're like, that's not what it was called. (gasps) And it's like, well, yet here we are. It's the Pussy Posse. Um, so, they were just known for, like, partying, being obsessed with girls, dropping stink bombs in bars, never, ever tipping. That was, like, something that came up in a lot of articles that, like, A, Leo doesn't pay for anything. He just expects all of his friends to. And, B, they never tip. Fuck
1: that. Fuck that, right? So, I would tip 20% if the server punched me in the face. Right? Me too. I just can't not tip. It just feels so wrong. Exactly. He's, like, very rich. And in the 90s, he's very rich. You know what I mean? It's not like he's a a fledgling actor. I don't believe that you care about, like, fucking penguins and everything if you're not tipping your servers. Right? So, like, yeah, they're just pieces of garbage. There's, like, a lot of crazy
0: stories about the pussy posse and, like, the weird shit they've done, they're featured in a movie um, that starred Jessica Chastain recently about, like, underground poker games in Hollywood. Uh, It was called Molly's Game, and one of the characters is just known as Player X, but it is based on real-life Tobey Maguire and what a <gasps> dick he was. Oh my god. <laughs> he's a dick? He was kind of a dick, yeah. Well, it it seems like he was I a dick, no and then he got married and settled down and was fine, but now he's divorced and he's maybe a dick again.
1: Come on, Toby! Come on, Toby! I thought he might have been like a Michael Cera of, like just like sweet no. and weird and odd.
0: And no, like- it seems like it was like him and Leo were like fucking shit up. Ew. And uh, like in a way that kind of reminds me of like Jay Gatsby and um the guy who Toby McGuire
1: played in that movie. Oh God, what's his name? Nick something.
0: It's just Nick. Yeah. Just sad Nick on the side. But it's, like, how, like, one is absolutely living the life and the other's just, like, kind of a wannabe also living the life. Like, that is kind of their real-life dynamic, it seems. That's why they made that movie. That's maybe why they made that movie. It was not that great. It was fine. It was opulent. It was very opulent. Which I liked. Um, there's also, like, there's allegations that, like, they, they punched Elizabeth Berkeley's boyfriend in the throat so hard that, like, he had permanent damage because oh, they wanted to fuck her. Um, and kept inviting her out to dinner to the point that, like, the boyfriend had to go to them and be like, please stop doing that. And they were like, oh, we'll fuck you up outside. And he was like, okay. And then, like, he was- He punched his throat? He was only supposed to be fighting one of them, but, like, the rest of the pussy posse attacked this guy. And one of them- Oh my god. Unknown who- Punched him really hard in the throat and he had permanent damage to his larynx. I don't know who it was, but it definitely wasn't Toby. (laughs) I think it was Leo, frankly. Yeah. Because to me, like, Leo's the only... It would only make sense that it never came out in public who it was if it was Leo.
1: Yeah, his power is scaring me.
0: Yeah, he's very powerful. But, like, we know all this, right? We've known this since 1998 when the beautiful Nancy Jo Sales wrote this article. So... Why are we all so surprised by this chart? I think it's because of what we think about when we think about Leo. I think about, you know, if I think Leonardo DiCaprio, I think Romeo plus Juliet. I think his prestigious film career. I think his fight for the Oscar. It was like a running meme on the internet for many years that like he just couldn't get an Oscar and then he finally did. And then maybe I think about like his advocacy for the environment and then maybe I think about, like, oh, and he's always dating, like, a gorgeous model.
1: Yeah, it's never the first thought. Yeah, and
0: I would pause it, and not to be all, like, the patriarchy about this, but we let Leo not get asked about relationships when he's, like, on movie press tours, right? No one ever really asks, because he doesn't want them to. So, like, we don't make him share that. We're not asking him, like, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to have a family? Like, what are you doing? When are you going to stop fucking children? Yeah. Which, like, would never happen with, like, a female celebrity. Like, if Scarlett Johansson had been in a group in the 90s called the Dong Brigade, (laughs) it's all any of us would talk about. Yeah. Like, the Pussy Posse isn't even on Leo's Wikipedia page. That's crazy. Yeah. It talks about, like... He's had many girlfriends, da-da-da. But, like, this very famous, very tabloid thing is not even in his Wikipedia page. But, like, do you think the Dong Brigade wouldn't be in Scarlett Johansson's Wikipedia page? Of course it would.
1: And she always, and, and every female celebrity of any age always gets asked about who are yeah. fucking at the time.
0: Exactly. I was thinking the other day about, like, an interview with Rihanna when they were like, Rihanna, like, you know, are you, like, what are you looking for in a man right now? And she was like, well, first of all, I'm not looking for a man. And I was like, yep. yeah, like, why would you ask her that when she's just, like, on a red carpet promoting her new makeup or whatever?
1: There's a great video of um, her when people thought that she was dating Ashton Kutcher. Like, they were in Barbados, and um, one of the reporters was like, oh, like, are you going to be bringing anyone, like, home with you? Like, should we be expecting to see Ashton Kutcher anytime mm-hmm. soon? And she just went, how disappointing is that question? <laughs> um, I love Rihanna. I love that.
0: But, yeah, so that's that's my theory about why we don't think about Leo in that way and why this chart is so shocking and surprising to us. Like, it's nothing new, but it's not something that he ever has to answer questions about. Yeah. He's allowed to just be private about that kind of stuff in a way that, like, most female celebrities are not allowed to be private.
1: And it's also, like, bring it back to, like, janet jackson right yeah like that was obviously a much more extreme example because it was an extreme event that mm-hmm. shaped a lot of pop culture at the time but a why did it shape that much of pop culture but like when you think about her huge. she was a jackson like yeah. she grew up in one of the most famous families in history and has had a lot of hits and in has her had own right. huge hits in her own right miss jackson if you're nasty what is going to be the first thing you think about every time you hear her name? Nipplegate. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. And, yeah, I think it's just, I, th- I think it's just, like, men get to have their success come first no matter how much success they have. Yeah. And women, like, have to have their ass and tits come first before anything else. Yeah. No matter how much success they have. Yeah. Um. And we keep pointing it out. So you're fighting the good fight.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's the whole story, you guys. I was just, like, so blown away by this chart. I had to talk about it. Like, again, I guess I'll just leave you with what does Leonardo DiCaprio have in common with a 20-year-old?
1: But God, I have no idea. That sounds so fucking, like, imagine right now. So, we're 25. I can't imagine dating a 20-year-old right now. Oh, I, th- I was talking about, like, <laughs> I was talking about, like, if you were dating a... 50 year old. <laughs> I can't imagine that either. But now that you say it, I can't imagine dating a 20 year old. Yeah, either. like imagine you and I right now. We're, we're both 25. Ew, no. Imagine, like, what do I have in common with a 20 year old right now? Actually, not that much. I'm imagining, like, a 20 year old girl who's just like me when I was 20, which, ah, oh, that yeah. sounds horrible. <laughs> that, oh, you're just so not a person yet. Yeah. And we're not even really people yet. Exactly. Also, the other thing I thought about while you were saying this is that, um... Uh, hopefully it's okay for me to say that your partner turned 26 today. He did. So he officially can't be fucked li- by Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and can I just say, I'm very relieved. Oh. It's really been weighing on me for the past few
0: years. The letters from Leo's agents have
1: just been very Piling persistent. Up. I
0: have to burn them before he yeah. sees them, because I know he would go to Leo. And yeah. you were worried about Leo punching you in the throat. Yeah, I know, I know. So. I really... Every night, I just woke up screaming.
1: Yeah, no, I... I that sucks but it's obvious that it sucks but it's not that obvious so yeah. good on you for fucking pointing it out it's very true
0: so the next time you think about leo just maybe think like romeo plus juliet
1: he fucks a lot of 20 year olds for some reason
0: his environmental act you know what i mean just Put like that keep it in the conversation higher. Yeah. yeah
1: it should it should be at more of the forefront
0: but baz lerman's romeo plus juliet obviously goes first oh god that's the greatest piece of cinema
1: of all time. I love that movie. Fuck Citizen Kane. <laughs> all right. Well, we've left you with a lot to chew on. We really have. We kind of had three segments because the Bachelorette talk took longer than either of us anticipated. That always happens whenever we talk about the Bachelorette. So go watch that um, video footage of Luke P. being destroyed. Yes. Um, think a little bit about Leonardo DiCaprio's choices. And watch some of the Parks and Rec episode with the Marsha and Marshall Langman. Watch the entire canon of Marshall and Marshall Langman. And, uh, until next week, stay horrified. Stay